You're welcome. So welcome, everybody, to your Welcome Future Self, the podcast. Uh, You know me. I'm your host, Bob. Joining me this week, I have a comedy friend all the way from currently residing in Saginaw, Michigan, Megan Coddington-Heath, on this week's episode. Uh, Thank you for taking time to join us from your busy schedule, Megan. Uh, How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to chat with you and see you. I know it's not in person, but getting to see you over Zoom. <laughs> Just seeing my comedy friends is great, so I really appreciate that you're having me on. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's definitely, uh, we got to make those connections where we can these days, it feels like, mm-hmm. or this is that new normal. Um, but yeah, uh, Megan is a fantastic comedian from Michigan, uh, doing great things. I've uh, been featuring all over the state. Uh, you travel a lot with that too, don't you, when you can? Or, yeah, uh, before the pandemic, I was traveling like almost every weekend to do stuff, so... Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like, I, I really enjoy Megan's comedy, but also part of the reason why I wanted to talk to her is because of all the other stuff that she does, too, outside of comedy, um, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of that. But she is also a lawyer who has recently, was it within the last year or a couple of years here that you started a your little, own practice? Like a year and, what are we, we're in September, so about a year and four months ago, I opened my own practice. Yeah, and congratulations on that. That's a, that's, I don't even know. Like, Well, I mean, it's like starting your own business, but it's a business where you have to know the law also. So Yeah, I, and your client's like, you know, it's not where you can get like an oopsie, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, sorry, I'll try better. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so it's real high stakes, and that's just such an awesome accomplishment in itself. And um, I know that we talked on touched on that uh, when we were getting ready to talk about this, and um, we can dive into that a little bit, um, or a lot of it, or see where the conversation goes. Um, but yeah, that's that's an amazing thing. And also, you are a mother of three, and um, have also had like I talk a lot on my podcast here about my own weight loss journey. I I, I don't know how do you feel about the whole term weight loss journey? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think. Um... For me, I I think wait I, I feel like whatever people want to call it or do it or however they 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 if they want to lose weight then I don't care you know like however you want to whatever you want to call it I think for yeah. me it was more I had so many bad bad feelings around food that I learned from you know society family whatever that one I once I finally unlearned that shit I just the weight I just lost the weight like yeah. I think there's like so many and I'm trying so hard for this not to happen with my daughter. Right. I mean, it was like a double standard. Even my brother will say, you know, like the things growing up that I dealt with, he never worried about. And so he was really chubby up until like seventh grade. And then he like grew like five inches and half a year and then lost all the weight and never is worried about it again. But like I got kind of chubby at the same time and it was different. It's different for chicks. So I learned all these really bad habits that I thought were like would help me lose weight. And then once I met Sarah, my wife, and like she just has no like yeah. she's so well, she's like super well adjusted, which is weird. <laughs> like I don't get so she doesn't have any of these like hangups or weird things about food. If you hear my dog, that's him coughing. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, and so like with her, it was like really I lost the weight, but it wasn't. I did start like exercising. I did start um, eating better. I'm sorry, my dog's coughing. <laughs> that's all right. Hopefully he's okay. Oh, buddy. Sorry. Okay, I'll move him so you don't have to edit so much. Um, <laughs> um, but it, so I didn't really have like a weight loss journey. I just kind of stopped having to follow all the things that I was following. So I unlearned that. So yeah, <laughs> really quick. Idiot, okay, really, yeah. we won't be able to hear each other. That's okay. Sorry about that. I just want to take care of ourselves because he coughs. He's got congestive heart failure, so he yeah. coughs like really loud. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's definitely uh, uh, that's understandable. I'm I'm sorry about that, but um, 
but yeah like so basically a lot of it was kind of like just like your the way you grew up or like your genetics as a kid like you feel like yeah. uh like your some of your family didn't have to deal with that but it was something that you dealt with yeah and i think i definitely was like okay i so I gained a bunch of weight in college and in law school. I gained like double that. And then yeah. I was working this job that was really sedentary right after I graduated. And I thought, this is like, I have no kids. I'm in my 20s. This is, if I'm going to make some changes, now's the time to do it. And really, I just, I read a couple books. Like, there's these books by this author named Janine Roth. And okay. it's like geared towards women. And these books, like, one of them is called like Women, Food, and God. And like, I am like, not into god stuff very much I, mean, I, I, I would say i'm spiritual i go to church with my wife because she likes that but like um but i read it and it was more about it was more like about the way society puts all these pressures on women with food right. stuff like that and like when i read through it i was like oh shit i do all of this stuff and it's all super wrong <laughs> like, yeah it's super unhealthy and like mostly like the biggest thing that that taught me was like if you're you're gonna screw up sometimes, right? You're gonna like you're gonna try to help. You're gonna listen to your body and try to eat as, as well as your body wants you to. But right. every once in a while, you're gonna have a giant ice cream sundae. And that's <laughs> yeah, fine. like it's fine as long as you like say, why am I doing this right now? You know, like, right? Like, like if my, my daughter's real sick. I'm real sad. I'm having like four pieces of pizza and a couple white claws, and that's why am I right. doing it? I'm sad. <laughs> and I, I understand that and I recognize it. And so then when it comes like another day where like a pizza shows up. I have to be like, oh my god, I gotta eat all this right now because I'm not gonna let myself ever have a pizza again. Right. Pizza again. I'm just not gonna have it all the time. And if I do have it, I'm gonna say, oh, I'm having it. I'm having it because I want to enjoy it tonight, or I'm having it because maybe I'm sad. And as long as like I recognize those feelings and like own them, I feel like I don't eat the whole pizza. (laughs) Right. Couple pieces or whatever. Yeah, it's like being being mindful of like what you're doing when you're doing it, and like. So that way it's not just like every single weekend I have pizza or like every couple right. of days I have a, a meal that's too large. It's just kind of like changing that relationship with food. I feel like that's a really good point. Um, and I feel like that's something that I'm learning for myself as well or like kind of the philosophy that I'm generating right or coming to conclusion of is just that if you're maintaining or like being mindful of it to where you can get back to where you were, like be like maintaining is still a form of progress in the grand scheme of things because if you gain back a pound or two or if you don't make any progress that week you're still in a position where you can take a step forward to the next level of wherever you want to be or still um still like paying attention to it and caring about yourself enough to make those changes so that's that's really that's really awesome that you were able to utilize a resource like that to come to that realization for yourself as well i think it was just like a perfect like storm of everything together so i I started dating someone who's a firefighter and is really in really good shape but not because she's like crossfit crazy but because she (laughs) just she just doesn't have she likes to work out but it's not like a like a religion to her and she she eats just healthy because she has no hang-ups on food her parents never and her family never gave her hang-ups on food and then so then i had that and then i also read all those books and then i was also in a position without like kids to like you know dig in and since then i you know i've lost i lost about 50 pounds then and then since then i've gone up and down five or six pounds when i was pregnant with the twins i gained some weight when i was pregnant with francis my daughter i gained some weight but it all just you know i'm so stressed when i got pregnant that this is it this is where i gain it all back this is where i lose it but honestly it came right off as soon as i lost the kids i i feel like i really just i just lucked out i think yeah. all that thing all that stuff hit together i did some healing and i just it seems to work. And I, I mean, I'm not skinny, but I'm also not like severely overweight. So I don't have, I don't really, I'm happy here. I don't want to lose weight. Right. I, don't, I don't, if I lost five, fine. If I gain five, fine. I don't like, this is a nice, happy spot for me. Right. And I feel like that's, that's definitely an important part is like being happy with where you're at. And if you're not happy, like doing something to change the situation essentially but that's like honestly like yeah like i know for like i could only imagine like for if i were a woman or if i had to go through like what what amanda's dealing with right now like just after having a baby like i i would i would want to give up every single day so i i commend everyone that goes through that for that but it's also like even even not just being a woman just being someone who grows up in this country in this society like we we subsidize sugar, so it's everything. Right. Sugar's in everything. We 
I mean, that was when I lived in Europe for a couple of years in high school, and I, which makes me sound super bougie, but it, and honestly, <laughs> when people talk about privilege, like, I am the most privileged person. Like, I went to high school in a castle for two years in Germany, so, like, I am... <laughs> oh, really? That's awesome. It's, like, dripping off of me, but the, the number one thing I recognized when I was there is that everything had a lot less sugar and it tasted so much better. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we just pump everything with sugar in this country because we subsidize all this stuff for high fructose corn syrup yeah. and corn and all this. You know, I'm from Iowa. I shouldn't talk badly about corn, but like but I... You're um, on the list now. You're bad. Yeah, I know. Like my family's <laughs> like, you're never welcome back in the corn uh, <laughs> But honestly, like that's, I think, you know, when I look at, um, when we had the twins, uh, yeah. they were born two months early. They had a bunch of medically fragile things we had to take care of. And basically, yeah. I didn't work that whole, for like a year to three years. I just took care of all their special needs. And um, Sarah worked and we were living on like a $34,000 salary with two adults and two children with a lot of medical needs. And so we had like not a lot of money. And we ended up going on WIC for a little while because we're okay. like, yay, food. And that, when we got WIC, I realized that they give you like they don't give you any protein they just give you a ton of carbs yeah and a ton of juice and a ton of all this shit that's just exactly what's gonna make people more likely to have weight issues later in life like it's yeah like, but like i never want to hear anyone say that being overweight or having health issues related to weight is a problem because this country subsidizes it. This country causes right. it, especially for low-income people on WIC and things like that, because the foods that you get with WIC will make you fat. <laughs> right. You know, as a kid, and they even like the fact that you can't get whole milk. You can only get skim or 1% milk. Oh, Those what? Have, yeah, you, so whole milk has less sugar That's in it. That's so counterintuitive. Yeah. You can get whole milk for the first, I think, year, or like the for a while when the baby is like just weaning off of breast milk. But like, yeah, you can't get after so much time. You can, once I get to a certain age, you can only get half percent or 1% or skim. That's it. You get two giant bottles of juice, just juice. Yeah. Like apple juice, which is just sugar. You get yeah. all this bread, which is not like, you can't buy like whole grain bread. Yeah, like you get like one bread, bread, right? You, you get like, well, it's like the wheat version. You have to buy wheat, but wheat uh, your bread is just but, as bad as white wheat bread. There's right. no fiber or anything in it. They might as well and give you get, McDonald's gift cards. <laughs> and then you get $5 per kid in fruits and vegetables. <laughs> five per kid? Yeah, so you get like kid, one we got $10. broccoli. <laughs> oh, God. So I'm like, what are we like? What are we doing in this country? Like, that's that alone. You know that sets a foundation for people to have glycemic issues and and all of that i mean i didn't have that as a kid but i also know that like we grew up um when like in the 80s i don't know i think you're like maybe four or five years younger than me i'm not sure but uh, i was born in 89 so i'm 30. i'm about to be 31. Okay, so yeah six years younger than me but yeah. still <laughs> we grew up in the time where fat was bad and right sugar or you know fat was bad sugar was like so basically people ended up eating all this low fat stuff that was just sugar and right. my parents, you know, and our parents were fed this, so they were feeding us this too. So I feel like our generation is going to all have diabetes because when we were kids, everything was saying fat's bad, have a bunch of sugar or carbs right. turn into sugar. <laughs> so like, I don't know. That's, it, that's like my rant all the time when I think about it, because I, I would get this wick stuff and it blew my mind. I'm like, this is, this is not healthy. <laughs> like this is, you get one block of cheese all these carbohydrates a bunch of juice so much juice we didn't even use all of it and then yeah like, you know and then five to ten dollars of fruits and vegetables like i just it's so no counterintuitive yeah no protein none it, it like, means peanut butter but the peanut butter with sugar in it so oh yeah you can't get like actual like natural peanut butter because it's more expensive yeah. like <laughs> You can get the, but you can get like the Reese's or Peter Pan, like sugar filled, like <laughs> it was like Kroger brand or like Jif, but still, like right. that has more sugar in it than I don't know. It's like having ketchup. It's it's there's no substance to it because they just take all the for, stuff out and put for on Jif. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, it's yeah. great. I love it's, it. But, <laughs> I love me some Jif. Like, <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like mom's like you choose Jif because mom's got a sweet too. <laughs> yeah. I love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Don't get me wrong, yeah, yeah. I do. But like, it's just it's, <laughs> thinking about that stuff and like the way I grew up. Not it wasn't just my parents' fault. I think there was like a whole period in the United States 
like health, you know, pyramid and food pyramid stuff where they just fucked a bunch of us. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, and then you can even like get into like the levels of like where's the money behind it and wh what's the motivation for all these things or whose special yeah. interest is driving. Because um, there's like this book that uh, I still need to read where it's like talking about psychoactive substances and how uh, it's marketed in the United States and things like that where where sugar like i learned about it on shane moss's podcast but oh, yeah. sugar is like the biggest like psychoactive substance in the world that like is constantly pushed on people especially in the united states and yeah. like just all the like the fact that you brought that up that was so such a good point that you made there like i, I really appreciate that um because I, I feel like everything everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense it's even my toothpaste right like why like i um and i don't again i'm gonna sound super bougie but when we lived in europe when you had like chinese food in europe or thai food or yeah. Indian food in europe it tasted a lot different and then you come back here and it tastes like they just pumped a bunch of sugar in your favorite dish <laughs> yeah all of a sudden and I was like, I don't want it. I don't want it to be sweet, you know. Even pizza dough recipes here, right? Have, you had to put a tiny bit of sugar so you get the yeast activated, but right. like a lot more sugar. You're tasting the bread, and you're like, this tastes like a honey bun with my pizza on it. Like, why? Yeah. You, know? like you, don't, you don't need to drown the yeast in sugar to like yeah, make just it work. A little bit. <laughs> Which that's like something like one of the main things that I like to make for my like when I'm eating better is. Uh, like I'll, I'll do my own like taco meat, like whether it's chicken or turkey or beef. Um, I'll, I'll do it myself because like I realized like a couple years ago when I first started trying to eat healthy was um, that there's tons of sugar in like the pre-made like taco seasoning. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. tastes so much better when you just use your own, like you get some cumin and some chili powder and yeah. like make your own. And it's fantastic. Like but, onion salt and garlic powder and yeah. you can like make it however spicy or not. And I love spicy and I could never find like a packet that was spicy enough that I liked. So, you know, I yeah. had a bunch of cayenne pepper and <laughs> mushrooms and stuff. And yeah, that, that was like an awake. My brother actually turned me on to doing that, like making my own taco meat. I just right. didn't think I could do that. It's another thing where you just grow up like, you know, yeah. like, Oh, I could make my, my dad cooked a lot, but it, we just, I don't know. It's one of those things where I was like, oh, I can do that. I yeah, buy, you know, I, so. I feel like the 80s and 90s, though, it was all about like convenience. So it's like mm -hmm. it was TV dinners or like yeah. going to fast food. Like that was back when like the biggie size was like literally like you look yes. at you look at like uh, Parks and Rec where they're talking about like the child size. It's the size of a small child. Like literally that's how that's like the the 70s through the 90s is literally the generation when like they were just fire hosing sugar yeah. down people's throats and, like, well, like again like in europe the large i feel like i can't stop talking about europe in europe the yeah. large the large coke in europe is smaller than our medium right it's, like so you go to mcdonald's in europe and in germany and you order let's say you try to order a two cheeseburger meal there one, the ketchup's going to have less sugar, and the Coke, that the large Coke that comes with it is smaller than our mediums here. That's like, right. it's, you know, it's, it's like a, and I kind of, that's something I learned too. Like, I love McDonald's. I love fast food. I talk about eating fast food all the time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just had to, like, switch it up. Like, so when I go to McDonald's, I'll get a, I'll get a hamburger Happy Meal. Right. You know, it's a, it's a small amount of fries. It's a hamburger with some protein and little carbs there. And then I get, if I do get a Coke, it's a tiny little Coke, you know? Right, but it, right. It, 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 you know, does all those cravings. <clears throat> so, yeah. I mean, and like when I go to like, I, I realized you don't have to buy a meal. I felt like every time I went to a fast food place, I had right. to get a meal. So then I get a meal and then get like stuff on top of the meal that I actually want to eat. And then I just right. eat the whole thing. Which is <laughs> like, so now like I just get what I want. Like, you know, we'll talk about it doesn't have anything I like anymore. But I used to just go through and get one quesarito. Yeah. And that made me happy. That's all I needed. I didn't need the meal. I just yeah. ate Zorino. It did it in. So, you know, but. What would you say is your favorite fast food? Is it Taco? Well, was it Taco Bell before they sliced and diced? Or what was your favorite? I did like Taco Bell a lot, but Wendy's has always been my favorite. Wendy's? And I have to be careful because, like, I look at the donors now. Because there's certain members oh, yeah, of certain yeah. franchises that mm. donate a lot to campaigns that I don't like. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to, like, look up the local Wendy's and see which one I can I can go to. Oh, like who, who the franchisee is. Yeah. 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 If it's a franchisee, it's not that one franchisee that donates that one particular yeah, candidate. Yeah. Then I, I can go there. And I love, I love Wendy's. I always, always have. I don't, and they just, their burgers taste better to me. Right. I'm biased. 
Some. Well, well, the Cheeto. I, I always joke that the Cheeto probably would uh, take credit for bringing back the spicy nugs. So. Yes. <laughs> I do love spicy nugs, and the biggie bag is a good deal. Yeah. Well, I usually like Adam and I are. We're actually talking about it on like our regular episode a couple episodes ago, where we're like, uh, well, we were trying to talk about not eating fast food because that's like Adam's big thing because he like gave up on trying to like do a comedy album when the yeah. like when everything went to shit um, and we couldn't like keep up with the podcast even. Um, but basically, we we're talking about like what our desert island like order would be from Wendy's yeah. <laughs> that one um, but yeah usually mine's just a bunch of nugs and then I, I get like the junior cheeseburgers <laughs> like yes. I get like four of them <laughs> well I would if I was like the last thing what would be like your uh, desert island Wendy's order uh, so I think I'd get the biggie bag with the bacon cheeseburger because somebody tried to tell me oh you could get the similar bigger bag for less if you just didn't want the bacon I was like no motherfucker I want the bacon, <laughs> want the so bacon. Like, I want the bacon cheeseburger, spicy nugs, um, uh, the Coke, and fries. And then I want to add on a uh, chili potato, and I want a small chocolate frosty and a large Coke. That's, yeah. that's what I want. That's my, that's my, yeah. like, I, that's my like, death row meal there is what that is. So. <laughs> the death row, maybe I need to like change it up. That, that's a better way to put it. Um, like If you had to have fast food as your death row meal, what would it be? And if I... If I didn't have to have fast food on my death row meal, it'd probably be something like Ethiopian food or something like that. <laughs> like, surprise me. And they're like, well, it's just rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. some ice with some cayenne pepper on it. How you feel about that? <laughs> just a bunch of saffron. Like, they have... <laughs> It's nothing but saffron because I don't have anything to put it on. <laughs> I mean, saffron's really expensive, so at least they, you know, it's more expensive than gold. We so. need to start exporting it. Um, okay. But yeah, you mentioned like uh, growing up, like you had like hangups with food. Um, you what kind of uh, or what was like your relationship with food at that point through growing up, or what caused like those hangups? Do you think? I think, I don't know, I think um, pressure on, like, my mom and my mom's mom and my aunts and all that, you know, there's just, you know, I don't think they, any of them did, like, anything consciously, but there was all this, like, I would see them weighing their food and see them counting oh, okay. all their calories, and, and I think, um, you know, they always worried about fat when they should have been worried about sugar, you know, so, like, yeah. so much about fats, um, and so much of, you know, and, like, honestly, they'd end up not eating, so, like, hamburger helper, right, it's not a good meal. But there's some there's a hamburger in there and they didn't right. eat the noodles and not the hamburger. So then I'd see that and I'd just eat the noodles and not the hamburger. And honestly it would have been healthy if I just eat the hamburger and skip the noodles, you know, like and I didn't I didn't know that. Or like I'd have tacos, we'd have tacos and I'd put like very little taco meat in there and then just eat the shell with a bunch of sour cream. Like right. know, that that flour tortilla that I ate is probably way worse for me than like if I'd had two helpings of the seasoned beef. So Okay. Like, you know, so, so just like stuff like that. And then the pressure, the like, I feel like when I came out as a lesbian, the pressure got even, like, it got way less. Like, it got so much better. Because, like, as a straight woman, there's, like, so much pressure to be, like, skinny and yeah. magazines and TVs and commercials. And when I, when I came out, it was, like, as long as I was, like, doing something with my life, people were like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <not." laughs> Lesbians don't care. Like, most of us just don't, you know, like, I'm more concerned about what's in your brain and what you're passionate about than if you're carrying around some weight on your hips. Like, I don't yeah. care, you know, so. And that, that must have been, like, a really, uh, like, a like a paradigm shift at that point, like, as to, like, you're not, because, yeah, that I could, like, another thing that I could only imagine, like, what that pressure is like, because, um, I mean, I, I feel like I, I have it on myself, but at the same time, like, I've always just been, like, the goofy fat guy because that's just kind of accepted. Like, it doesn't mean it makes anyone, like, it doesn't mean I feel any better about myself, but at least it's just like, oh, he's just a fat guy. That's fine. Like, we're, we're, we're going to pick on him, and he'll he'll be rolling with the punches, but it's so much different than, um, like, being expected to have, like, a certain beauty standard or anything it's like that. Suck, too. Like, people do just accept, like, expect, like, fat guys to just, like, roll the punches, you know, like, ah, ha, ha, and I feel like that probably sucks shit, you know, like, sometimes, <laughs> like, because, you know, like, there's all this pressure in society for women to be skinny and look a certain way, but there's also, like, if I was, like, constantly, like, people like, oh, making fun, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, I feel like sometimes in, like, I don't know. Some of the cultures that you get around you, like a lot of guys, like they make fun of people. And I feel right. like we, we don't make fun of each other. Like we're not, 
I don't want to say like locker room talk, but like I don't ever remember being in the locker room after a basketball game and having all of us like making fun of each other for being fat. Like I don't right. remember that, but I know and I'm sure that probably happened, you know, in like the boys' locker room, you know. Like, right. You know, yeah. people making fun of my brother and stuff, and you just be like, oh, ha, ha, you know, and I'm like, that probably sucked at night, <laughs> you know. So, right. Like, it, I, I feel like it's like similar, but like, yeah, it manifests in different ways, but, yeah. um, well, it's it's great that you got to a point where you could kind of like become the master of your own destiny with, um, with with food and have a more healthy relationship and like be mindful of those things. Do you feel like uh, like did you have like a set goal in mind when you like a certain weight in mind or just a certain thing or do you think you just kind of came to an equilibrium or? Not really. I um, know I was about I was about two hundred pounds, and I was like, I don't feel like for my height that I didn't feel super healthy. That I'm like I'm five four barely, and yeah. so I was like, I knew that can that considered me like pretty significantly overweight. I already have arthritis in my knees. I have a heart condition, so it's yeah. like I was like, okay, this is the time. I just I felt t- I'd come home and just go to bed from work. Like I was so tired all the yeah. time, and I thought and Sarah. And the thing is too, and like I I was with Sarah and. She's getting up and going out and having fun. And, like, I wanted to, like, enjoy. She loves being outside. And I wanted to enjoy that with her. And so yeah. that was just, like, the natural. But I did I didn't know that, like, I wasn't healthy. And I knew I had a really poor relationship with food. And I didn't want to be unhealthy that way anymore. Because I just felt so, you know, like, you'd eat something. And then I'd always, like, punish myself mentally for eating it. And I just, I didn't want to give food that emotional weight anymore. I didn't want, like... If you eat an ice cream sundae, it doesn't say anything about your character as a person. You're not a bad person for having a biggie bag at Wendy's or a bad yeah. person for eating five pieces of pizza and six white claws. You know, like, well, maybe not six white claws. But like, <laughs> you're not a bad person because of what you decide to eat. That doesn't right. have any, the, the content of your character, the person you are, is not measured by what you eat. And so, like, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. I didn't want to feel guilty for eating anymore. I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. So then I did a lot of work. I mean, I went to therapy. I did a lot of stuff. I still go to therapy. Therapy's good. Yeah. Everyone should go to therapy. And then. Um, I need to get me some of that. <laughs> great. You know, if you get insurance, pay for it. It's great. And then, um, and then I read those books and those books were really, I feel stupid about it, but I saw like, I saw this author on Oprah. <laughs> <of all places. laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm so miserable, you know? And then well, I got those books. So. Yeah. And do you think that was a pretty good cat? Like, that was one of the main catalysts then, or what you kind of utilize the tools from? Yeah. And I think some of it, though, when I read it, I'm like, she's definitely like cashing in on this shit. So yeah, it bothered yeah. me a little bit. But it really was good at like breaking down how, like, how bad I made myself feel about food. And that's, that's not a way to live. You have to eat three times more or more a day. Why would you want to punish yourself three right. to six times a day for what you put in your mouth? Like that's, that's not healthy. I don't want to do that anymore. I have enough in my head to make myself feel bad. I didn't need that. <laughs> right. So, you know, so that's where it got better, I think. And then I didn't, I didn't really have a goal to lose weight. I just had a goal to, like, not have such a terrible relationship with food. Yeah. And the weight went with it, so. Nice. Like, kind of, like, getting to a point where, like, the food doesn't, like, control you. Like, you, like, kind of become, like, I think I said it already, but, like, the more of a master of your own destiny. Or, right. Um, have just a healthier relationship is, like, what I read a lot of. Um, yeah. Or, like, if you ever listen to Joe Rogan talk about it, like, I hate to quote him, but, like, the one thing that he does say that sticks with me from time to time is, like, like, when it comes to, like, thinking, like, mindfully about what you're eating and why you're eating it, it's, like, are you eating that because you want to eat it or because it's just, like, 30 seconds of mouth pleasure or something like that? Yeah. It's gonna, like, is it is it worth it for that or did you plan for that? Like, I, I feel like I kind of think of that yeah. while I'm choosing what I'm gonna eat or if there's, there's always, there seems to be almost always a better option. And, like, you bring up Oprah, like, I'm doing Weight Watchers right now and I've done yeah. it before and... It, it is, uh, which she bought it a while ago or whatever, but uh, she bought everything. She's going to buy yeah, it. Yeah, she can buy everything. She's <laughs> <laughs> probably like QAnon people think she's like eating children or something. So, yeah. yeah, like adrenochrome or whatever. Like we, we, can, we can go down into some conspiracies. <laughs> How many Weight Watchers points for a child, right? I don't know. Yeah. Like, How- <laughs> 
How many points is a pineal gland? <laughs> God, that shit's so messed up. I'm uh, like, are you guys serious? And the, uh. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm like, you can't honestly believe this. Like, come on. Like, use your brain. But yeah. Yeah. Oprah is Oprah. And she's, you know, she's like commercialized, but there is some, some good stuff that came out of her, you know? Right. Well, and like, kind of like you brought that up about the books that you read. Like, I feel like comedians, or at least just people who do comedy, are generally intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Uh, say that generally with quotes because i mean uh the ones that we see at open mics a lot of times uh they uh like i mean there's a whole spectrum of people that we deal with through this and uh like it it's uh like i feel like a lot of people who at least that we're friends with like we're good at seeing through bullshit and like we also we're also running our own grift of trying to like go and talk uh, talk our own talk about whatever we want to talk about on a stage for a time and get someone to eventually pay us for it so like we can kind of see through the shit but if it is helpful like i mean we can commend it as well i definitely think um like open mics are one thing but when people make the step up to getting paid every once in a while even for mc that's where you like the people who eventually start to make money even if it's not a lot like i don't make a lot of money at it but i don't make so many I feel like those people are exceptionally smart. Even, you know, like, I feel like in comedy, we were talking about this a little bit before you recorded, like, that I connect more with comedians than I have ever connected with attorneys or with other people in my life. I feel like we are not only very intelligent people, and I don't want to, like, talk myself up, but, like, we are. We're all, we are very intelligent. We're very in tune with people's emotions, because we have to be. Yeah. And we're also very creative. So why wouldn't you want to spend all your time with those kind of people? You know, at least right. that's that's my kind of people. I'm very creative. My brain's always moving a million miles a minute. Yeah. And, and then there's these people who like me. You know, like and, right. and I don't find that. And the people who like, like I feel like even some of like the, the comedians I know who you know like I, I've gone to law school. Like I went to college and law school and whatever. I know comedians who haven't even finished high school who who move at the same level of intelligence that I do. Right. We're all right. No matter what level of education we are, we all have uh, the ability to use cognitive our cognitive abilities at the same right. level. And I don't find that in the normal world. <laughs> so, right. You know, but kind of like uh like it's like when you're having a conversation with like a group of comedians like even though half the time it's all it's ultimately effort that's put towards just bullshitting and like having a laugh but it's like everyone's constantly trying to like elevate the idea or take it to another place or throw in a misdirection to where it's just like you end up having ridiculous conversations or um breaking down a, a thought process or an idea in such a way like it it definitely is really it's something that's hard to describe and I, I certainly can feel that like when I'll, I was sitting there like trying to explain to Amanda since I was like taking care of Finley today like by myself for a while and she's like oh like how'd that go and I'm like well we did this and this and this and she's like do you hear yourself right now <laughs> and I'm a, I feel like I don't know if you feel this way like I mean um with the new normal like um because I know you stay, you must be busy as all get out with three kids and like your own business and all of this. But um, I mean, part of it, I I feel like eventually, I don't know if, well, we'll just follow the flow of the conversation. Like, I mean, like, I'm sure you probably have to a certain extent more time, but also way less time now since you have to do things differently. It's um, funny, so my, my, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. But my billing software that I use for my firm, it tracks, like, how much money I make each month. And you can see it, like, yeah. from the time I started my practice, move up each month. Like, you can see, the, it, it gives me a little graph, and it shows me each month what I've made. And so yeah. it's going up, going up, going up on this little curve, and then you hit March, and it goes, <laughs> oh, yeah. It drops down, because nobody, like, the courts closed, and they mm-hmm. didn't know what they were doing. They had right. no idea, so for about a month, I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was super refreshing. And yeah. I like organized closets and like cleaned out rooms and the kids kids and I went outside and we played in the rain and we made things out of clay and we did like just like every day. I was doing like a million things and I just I loved every second of it. Right. And then about halfway through April and end of May, the courts were like, Oh, we could do court on Zoom. And so now I feel like uh it's nonstop. It's nonstop. And then people all the troubles that they had that built up through that month and month and a half that they didn't deal with are all coming. And everything that I had set for a trial in that time frame is now set for September. So this month I have 
four trials, three hearing or three evidentiary hearings, and then eight motions. So that's like typically in one month, I don't have half of that. Yeah. So, but it's like everything got piled into September, and so it's a bummer because I did. I had like everything drop down, and then now everything's like crazy busy again, which money wise is great. Right. Like, I don't know emotionally wise. <laughs> yeah, like for your own sanity wise, yeah. like that's why that's why we uh, pay get insurance to pay for therapy. <laughs> you know, and then like that's comedy. I know comedy is not supposed to be like therapy, but like comedy right. is a fantastic outlet. It's a way for me to use my creative talents and feel like I don't know. Even when I have a bad set, it because that happens a lot. Like I just still feel feel like it feels good to do that you know something right. run i feel good to do that so it makes me i come home feeling better and i don't have that right now and it sucks right so like yeah i i feel like it's like it's therapy without like doing the actual like having someone to help you through doing the work basically mm-hmm. so it's more of like that pressure release valve and then you also have like the peer group there and yeah. in most situations like unless it's like the, also the higher you get like where you're driving like multiple hours by yourself like sometimes you don't have that there either but yeah. it's still you get to vent un unmitigatedly to an audience yeah. like with no one to stop you aside from a random heckler here or there which usually doesn't happen um and then but yeah it's just uh not having that is definitely different um do you and feel like writing a joke about something that bothers you makes you work through it? You know, right. you got to think about different punchlines. You got to think about the setup, and you got to think about how you're going to turn it and what punching. So, like, you have to like process it to write a joke about it. So right. there's that too, and it just there's none of that. I mean, I'm writing. I don't know if you're writing, yeah, yeah. writing but it's not. I don't even where to use it, so I'm writing that <laughs> or whatever it is. So. Yeah, I mean, I've been writing, like, here or there. I mean, I feel like a lot of my stuff has, like, been more premises and things like that. Um, I feel like a lot of it, though, too, like, because I was getting so busy with, like, shows and stuff. Like, I was more busy with that than, like, my own comedy. And basically, uh, I've, I've been mis- I've been redirecting my energy, though, lately, like, do you feel like, um, like, do you have anything else that you're, like, putting your creative energy into lately, or is it mainly just working on your writing and revision, revising and stuff? Um, I don't know. I really should be. I used to, um, I used to draw a lot. I used to do a lot of art, and then I ended up getting some nerve damage in my hands, and oh, so okay. I can't, so, like, I, it's not, like, it's just that I don't have a lot of feeling in the, my mm-hmm. fingertips, and then I have a, what's called, like, an essential tremor. So I can't really do that anymore, but I have, which, that sucks. So I don't have comedy. I don't have, I lost that in, like, the last two years. And so, like, I don't know. I've been trying to do, like, I got, this is stupid, but kinetic sand. I don't know if you've ever played with kinetic yeah, sand. Yeah, yeah. Freaking amazing. I have, like, <laughs> eight different types of kinetic sand, and I just, like, put my hands in it, or I, like, yeah into a castle and like cut it in half and like that i don't know it's not creative necessarily but it gives me something to do and then i also um have this like uh it's called um uh what's it called polymer clay okay you can can make it into little things and then bake it right okay so like i've been doing stuff like that because like you know if i'm shake my handshake a little bit and I fuck up the ear, I can just do it again a couple times. It's not like right. when you draw, like, something on a piece of paper, and if my hand shakes, I got, like, a squiggly fucking ear, and I can't fix it. So, like, I don't know. That's what I've been doing. Clay and kinetic sand, I guess. Right. That's about it. So. Have you have you done any shows or, like, Zoom shows or anything like that? Or I did one Zoom show. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where they clap by a sparkle in their fingers or whatever? Like, it was even worse because it was, like, a... Um, like a variety show that somebody put on, and if somebody, okay. the person who put it on hears it, I'm I'm sorry. I thank you for having me. But <laughs> I got on, and so they like were just streaming me. I didn't have any response from anyone, so it was just me doing comedy like this. Yeah. No laughter, you know. Like so it's like I don't even know if people think this shit's funny. I don't know. And then my kid like walked through, and I was like, "Yep, yeah, not nope, not doing this yeah. ever again." So I did that, and then um, I did do, like, uh, up up in Traverse City. So those guys up there were doing these skits and things that they were making. Yeah, I saw that. No, that um, that was the, the – oh, well, I'll have to put the link to that video where you were reviewing the beers. 
Oh my god, that was probably the funnest thing I've done all fourteen. Like that's legit. I went to I went to the beer store here and I bought a hundred and fifty dollars worth of craft beer. Because <laughs> I came in with a box like this, it was like a hundred and fifty dollars. It's like beer. as big as you are. <laughs> I'm like carrying it in, and so he's like, "What?" <laughs> like I'm reviewing beers for the broken news. Like, all right. And I proceeded to try all of them, and I I was very sick. I yeah, ate, you, I, I ate so much beer. No, I, I drank so much beer. You're so probably that, still drunk from that, like weeks later. And like I recorded it, and then I was trying to like edit it a little bit myself, and I was like, I don't know, yeah. this is also fucked up. I mean, it was funny. But there was like so much footage, so then I sent it to Joshua Paul, and he's an amazing editor, and he turned it, he made it even better because he like cut every clip of me like sipping the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I think I'll go for a drive. Maybe not. <laughs> like, like, that shit together is so good. Yeah, I think that's, like, one of the funniest things I've ever done because it was, like, legit. Like, I was really actually wasted. I, I was yeah, like, that when I watched it, I was like, is she acting? And I was like, no, she's a method actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are good. Yeah, they're sorry. All of them. All of them. <laughs> How many beers did you drink, though, too? Those are all, like, seven They're all, like, you know, like... Because they're, you know, I feel like when people are making craft beers, they got, like, something to fucking prove sometimes. So it's all, like, eight and a half percent, you know, and I'm, like, just, you know, just down in a bunch of, like, oh, so, and then I was it's, mixing, too. So it was, like, right. dark beers and light beers and then ciders. Ooh, just, that's, that must have been a headache and a half. Yeah, I spent, like, the whole day on the couch the next day. <laughs> and so I was, like, how about next time you don't go full in like maybe just pretend a little <laughs> like, yeah you're you're very right it's like just get buzzed enough to embellish a little bit like that must have been a biggie bag day the next day <laughs> man i was so sick that night and i i don't know like i think from quarantine like you know i hadn't gone out and done anything and so i was like well this is great i love beer i love craft beer so i just was like <laughs> And then, you know, it gets away from me a little who, bit. So. Who was it that was doing that? Was it just the Traverse City guys all together? Or was there yeah, someone? It was um, Matt Zarelli, Ben mm-hmm. Max, Joshua Paul. They had Charlie Settles do a couple. They had another guy. I can't think of his name right now. Um, he did the one that was like a, like a funeral home. It was like a New York guy in the funeral home. And we got okay. sliders to eat with your dinner. Oh, like, okay. Yes, yes, <laughs> so there was like some of that. And I, we did it every week for a while. And then I just couldn't keep up anymore. Right. So. Which is a bummer. I feel like I flaked out on them a little bit. And I did, but I think they understand. So Yeah, I mean like especially with you picking up with like your your business, like I mean, there is that level of like where what you can put your time into and stuff and yeah. like I I feel like uh like honestly, yeah, like I guess that kind of segues a little bit into one of the other things I want to touch base on. Yes. We can kind of talk back about whatever else we want to hear over however long we want to talk. Um, but I mean, like, like definitely when I look at like the what I think of is like when I think of Megan, like all the things that you've done and like learning more, like getting a chance to talk to you more. Like I think this is the most we've ever really talked. Probably, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I usually get Shakespeare's, we're like shooting the shit before a show. So and then like someone's like, hey, you gotta like come put out three fires because I've never done an open mic before, even though I'm here every single fucking week. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so like you just show up and you like tell me you're here, and then like I'll have the list. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I haven't, that's one thing that I don't miss is I haven't bitched about, like, comedians in, like, a long time. That's true. I don't miss some of the, and the thing is, though, like we were talking about earlier, though, like, when you get to a certain level, even some of the people who annoy me at that level, like, they're not, they're not the people that I bitch about. The people that are, like, there's so much drama in comedy, like, from the assholes, and it's, like, a lot of the ones that cause the drama, I'm like, you fucking suck, just stop, like, (laughs) we all are sick of you, nobody laughs at you, you ruin the crowd, and, you know, I'm too nice, like, I'm not drunk enough, but, like, I'm too nice, because I'm, like, the mom, and I want everybody to do well, but there's so many times where I'm, like, just quit, like, right. and, and then I'm, like, oh, is it me? Should I just quit, too? But, like, at least, like, I feel like I'm not an asshole to people, <laughs> so, like, even right. if I was terrible, at least I'm not making the scene worse, because there's so many people who are terrible, don't know it, and they're horrible people, and it's, yeah. like, please, <laughs> leave, leave. It's all alone, but, sorry, I kind of segued again. <laughs> you were talking, no. you're talking about my law practice, or? Oh, it's fine. Like, no, no, that's fine. Like, uh, it's very free flowing. Like <laughs> you've, you've seen what I do. Like I, yeah. I'm seat of the pants. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I I always 
I always feel like I want to like try and create as little drama as possible. Like, I mean, it's nice to feel appreciated by other people, but it's it's way nicer to know for sure that you haven't done that much for like people to possibly hate you. Also, like, I'd prefer that over. Yeah. Like, I'd rather, like, not be the popular person over, like, being someone that everyone fucking hates because they're an asshole or they, like, steal money from people or something. Oh, yeah. I'm the guy in my area, but... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, (laughs) But I I feel like that just comes with, like, the... uh, Like, we all want to... Like, there's so much ego involved that, like, that's that's one of the things that, like, drives it, really. Um, whether, Whether you really feed into that or not or like just the thought that like other people have a responsibility or owe you something or even just the way that people interact with each other based on um based on what they have to offer you or anything like that like it's so transactional and things like that and then you bring into light like things that are like very serious issues and stuff it's literally just a workplace times a billion because there's no hr there's no one there's no parents home like everyone's like responsible for their own thing but then also like you're all we're both uh, admins of MCN like we've yeah. gone through oh, a lot shit. of things lately like we don't like I mean we do what we can but like no one acknowledges that like the people who are involved with that like all had like half of them like I mean even like the ones that aren't like parents like us like they they have a lot of stuff going on too it's not our job to police everyone or do anything it's like we're just in charge of this group this group is for connecting people with stage time and that's what we try and make sure it is it has a very streamlined specific purpose and people get so pissed off when you're like no look look it's like very it's very clear like i don't know And, and you're right they don't get that like we have lives outside like i can't i can't spend 24 7 monitoring that group like, I, like, I can't. Thank God for Van Kike. He's the only one that cares enough to, like, I take care of I he is, though, man. That shit, like, like, there was, like, all that drama about me taking down a pose a while ago, and I was like, God, dude, why don't I just sit back a few minutes and let Van Kike do it? Because he's, like, you know, I feel like he's just, like, fuck him, you know? And I feel bad. I shouldn't, you know, when people well, are I feel like it's gotten to a point, though, too, like, I appreciate, like, because, I mean, we basically just went off of, like, Dan's vision, and I mean, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, like, privilege and everything else that goes along with it, but I I also feel like sometimes, and I don't, like, I mean, honestly, I don't want to, like, side, like, I understand my privilege completely, and even, even the hard, even the hard work that, you put in to become a comedian, become recognized by your peers and your, your group. I mean, and in the grand scheme of things, no one who really can make anything happen for us gives that much of a fuck about Michigan comedy unless they, right. we can make them money here. Like, that's the only way I can get people in is because it's like, hey, I can make you a couple thousand dollars if you stop in my chuckle basement. Like, yeah. do you want to come do real comedy here and, like, teach us some things? Yeah. But... I don't know, I'm digressing from my own point. So, <laughs> um, I know, I forget what you're saying, though. Like, it's, people get so bent out of shape about MCN or Max or probably shows that you run to, and you're like, at the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, these things mean nothing when it comes right. to comedy. Our little fucking shows in our shitty little towns are yeah. wonderful for us, and we love them, and they're great. But when it comes to the grand scheme of comedy, if you get balked from MCN, it's not going to ruin your career. <laughs> and I don't even feel like I need it anymore, honestly. That yeah, was like I what even... I was getting to. Like, I mean, it's very nice. It's very convenient. But, like, if I have to, like, tell someone to stop uh, asking whether or not they should put on an open mic, like, I, I've just become desensitized to it. Um, so I, I just treat it like fun now. Like I'll read it like once every, like in my opinion though, right now, comedy is non-existent right now. So I just don't even, I don't even bother to try and moderate. I'm just like, oh, you want in the comedy group? All right, we'll deal with it fucking later. I look at them and I see if they at least answer the questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If they took the time to answer the questions, I feel like, all that's, right, come on That's in. basically how I designed it. It was like, uh, <laughs> are they They didn't answer questions. I'm like, well, you're an asshole. Goodbye. You can't yeah. follow directions. Get the fuck out. You know, but like if they, if they answered the questions, I'm like, eh, all right. Except for like certain people. And the other day, I booted the clown. I don't know if people noticed, but... Oh, the disgruntled one? Or... He was in our group, and I didn't what? even know it. And I was like, <laughs> goodbye. 
was like, pro- after I did, I was like, I probably should have talked to the other admins, but yeah, no, I'm willing to die on this hill. So I'll, I'll, I'm never gonna judge anyone else for making a decision on something. I'm, I feel like I'm the most easygoing, but also I'll like when, when everyone's like. Well, that's because that's the way I moderate, though, is, like, when everyone else is unsure of how to do anything, I'm just like, I'll fucking try something. Yeah, I'm just going to do it. Like, that's, he made, like, some comment that was stupid, and I was like, all right, you're gone. You're yeah, gone. if someone's sitting there starting shit, it's like, well, we can always deal with it later, I guess. Like, again, it's not that serious, and if someone doesn't want to come do my comedy show later, it's not like... It's not yeah. like I'm not going to get, like, the people who, like, I want to come to come back. Like, I can make up for it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I've said this before, and other people have talked to in other podcasts. Like, I, I have my job as a lawyer. If I can, yeah. I mean, if I could go back and change anything, I probably wouldn't be a lawyer. I'd probably just start comedy right out of college. Yeah. But, um, but I am a lawyer now, and I make money, and I pay bills. And so, like, if I don't get booked by somebody, you know, it sucks. It hurts the ego a little bit, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I can still pay my bills. So like, right. I'm not. I'm also kind of like on the like Robert Jenkins. I love him to death, and he's become like a, he's such a good friend and like a, yeah. kind of a mentor to me too. Right. Like he doesn't. He doesn't give a fuck. Like if you don't right. book him because you don't like his comedy, he does not give a shit. And yeah, probably I don't know how we got to that point, but I want to get to that point too. And I'm getting there. Like if they don't, want, if somebody doesn't want to book me for their venue. That's your prerogative. You don't think your audience is going to like me? Fine. Right. But I'm not going to sleep over it anymore. I'm not going to try to change my comedy and make you fit me in. I'm not going to. And if I don't make a living off of comedy ever, that's, you know, it is what it is. But I still am going to enjoy doing it. And I still like right. audiences. Like when I go to Kalamazoo, the audiences there like me. When I go to Traverse City, they like yeah. me. When I go to back fucking woods, Michigan, they hate me. But whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know. Which I feel like that was something that I wanted to touch on. Like, I didn't want to make, like, a huge deal of it. But, I mean, like, um, do you do you work for Funny Business that often or not really? Or, like, do you – but still, you know, like, the yeah. Backwoods Michigan shows, though. Because, I mean, a lot of those types of shows, when I've done them, like, I don't really get booked by them very much either anymore. Um, or at all right now because comedy's dead. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, when you go to, like, those in-between, like – like in between major metropolitan areas like yeah. in Michigan or like the Midwest, like being who you are, like a lesbian wo- yeah. white woman, like you're that's already like like what's that experience like as a comedian like in the Midwest? I think it's it's unfortunate because like sometimes you get surprised and that's like the best feeling in the whole world. When I come into a room and I think these people are gonna hate me and then they love me. That's a great feeling. But the, sometimes you just know like I the, my, one of my biggest pet peeves with the clown is I did like a series. There was a headliner in the state, very nice, asked me to come along and do three shows with him. Yeah. Um, I didn't know they were clown shows, but I showed up to each venue. There, <laughs> one, there were two shows where I did really well, but one show where I did, yeah. I, it was so terrible. I get in, and the owner's like, you can't say God, Jesus Christ, fuck, damn, and like all list of things that I was like, maybe I should have known that before I showed up. Like, if you guys could let me know. And then on top of it, like, just like, very conservative, very religious folks do not want to hear from a progressive lesbian. I don't care how much I water down my material. I just myself being who I am is offensive to them. You know? Right. The fact that I am married to a woman is offensive to them. So nothing else that comes out of my mouth is going to matter. And there are people like, oh, you just have to write jokes to make it funny. I'm like, I don't have to overcome bigotry. That's yeah. not my job. And if they don't like it and bookers don't they want their audience to be bigots, then I don't need to work for them. And, and there's so much of that. And then also, like, this is probably why I feel like I don't get booked a lot by, like, uh, the clubs and bigger businesses is I just, I shit on them sometimes, which is not good. <laughs> but, like, also, I look at the women that they do book. Um, I'm not going to name certain clubs or agencies, but I look at the women that are booked at, like, my level and, um, First of all, there's not enough of them. And then second of all, a lot of them are just very palatable, very like mashed potatoes yeah. kind of comedy. And I'm not that. I'm like, I'm spicy. I'm not spicy. <laughs> spicy. I'm like, there's there's a little bit of a substance, a little bit of meat, yeah. a little bit of like different textures to my comedy. And that doesn't go well at a, a cruise ship where you got to feed a thousand people. You've got to feed them bland food. Right. And, and I also feel like there's a double standard with women and men. Like, 
Like, I know guys who can get up and talk about fingers up their butts and prostate exams for, like, 20 minutes, and somehow that's clean. But if I right. say the word vagina, it's over. You know, and right. I've, said this, I've said this recently on another podcast. Like, it just it makes me so angry that I've had headliners say, you're going to have to clean it up. And I'm like, but you just, you and the guy before me were 100 times dirtier than I was. Right. The, the MC was 100 times dirtier than me. I came up as the feature, and I talked about fucking my wife. And that's <laughs> But then the headliner gets up and does a whole bit about eating a woman out. Like, that's right. like, how is that? Like, you know, like, and then the, yeah, I can't, it makes it, that's the stuff that it makes me so angry that I just kind of had to be like, I, Robert has been so great. He's like, you just, you just got stopped. Like, that's right. never going to change. You just got to let it go. Like, you are always going to do comedy that's going to make some people uncomfortable, but the people who love you will love you. And that's right. the last, like, year and a half. I've gone and I've been so much happier with comedy because I'm not trying to water down my set. I'm not, I'm taking all those headliners in my ears out there. Like you gotta be able to work clean. You gotta work clean. No, I don't. I have right. a day job that pays my bills. If right. <laughs> I don't do clean, fuck them. You know, like, right. you know, like, you know, I just, I, I still get plenty of gigs. I still get plenty of offers to do shows that I enjoy and it's unfortunate, but I'm not, I'm not going to be that trailblazer. I'm not going to be the one who's clean enough and then makes it the top and then is dirty. I'm just not. Right. I am now. Because that's what, how I enjoy happening. So, right. And I it's, long, drawn out no, plan, no, it's fantastic. So that concludes the first portion of our You're Welcome Future Self weigh-in with Megan Coddington-Heath. Uh, we had such a great, long conversation. I felt it would be appropriate to break it up into two segments. Uh, So next Friday, we'll be releasing the second half. Um, In the meantime, make sure that you uh, keep an eye out for everything that Megan is doing. Uh, If you see her at any shows uh, coming up after things get back to normal, you should definitely go check them out. Uh, She is a great comedian, and we have a a lot more fantastic things that we talk about here in the second half. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, I appreciate it. You can also um, keep an eye out. The Motor City Comedy Festival, of course, is not happening as it would normally, but uh, they are still doing their seminars or their classes that they offer, which is one of the amazing things that Motor City does that other places do not or other festivals do not, um, the resources that they provide for the community. Um, you should definitely still uh, take a look. Go to MotorCityComedyFest.com. Uh, uh, let me, yep, MotorCityComedyFest.com for more details on what they're doing uh, this year. Um, you can also find Megan online, I believe, at Megtastic Meg. Um, but yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in all the way to the end. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe on whatever podcast platform or give us a rating too that should help um i mean it (laughs) Uh, but thank you for tuning in i appreciate it and uh look forward to talking to you guys here early next week um with our next episode of your welcome future self i think what we plan to talk about um what i'd really like to talk about is how important uh staying connected through the internet is right now um We'll see if that's what we actually talk about or if we end up having some sort of political argument. Uh, that's always fun. Uh, you can always email the show at your welcome future self or no, it's ywfspod at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up. Let me know what you guys are working on. I'm serious. Uh, definitely tell me about it. And every single Monday, you can find me on Twitch dot tv slash comedy bob uh mondays at one o'clock i am doing the meal prep stream um i have been working on trying to experiment with uh debuting podcasts before the meal prep stream at like noon um i've been playing some podcasts ahead of time um so we're going to keep doing that a little bit like see how that works out uh whether or not that continues to be worthwhile um but i'm having a lot of fun with twitch so um come and come and hang out on twitch sometime it's a good good time. Uh, we have fun Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, at 9 o'clock. I'm always streaming on Twitch. And uh, some of those days, Adam and I will be playing games. So um, it's another good way to stay engaged with the podcast. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you on Monday uh, with the full episode. And I hope you guys all have a great weekend. And uh, stay safe.